coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. What it's about is really, really getting a sense in whatever way you can to that person that, that you really care about them and that you care about them achieving their goals. What a message to start the show off with today from our guest, performance nutritionist, Daniel Davey. Just before we dive in Daniel's excellent insights and brilliant nuggets of information, we're going to say a big thank you to Hawora, the overarching sponsor of the show and the reason we can make this all possible. Hawora is a performance well-being growth partner that looks to impact on individual behavior change and organizational culture to ignite health, well-being and performance. To find out more, head over to haworalife.com. That's H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Today we spoke with Daniel Davey, founder of Davey Nutrition and performance nutritionist for Leinster Rugby and the Dublin Senior Footballers of the GAA. Daniel has been the performance nutritionist for Leinster in Dublin since 2013. He brings a wealth of practical, implementable and simple advice for people looking to build better nutrition and hydration habits. His book, Eat Up, Raise Your Game, unpacked recipes to help him perform better on exercise days and rest days. You can find out more about Daniel's work on his website at davynutrition.com. Sheep in Sligo, exposure to the countryside, caring for animals, and the correlation between stress and health is where we start this uplifting conversation. Fasting, behavioral changes, and what makes the ideal breakfast is explored next. We discuss the big rocks of nutrition and hydration for the corporate and well-being sector, and what it is about elite performers that make them successful in this space, such as consistency, food prep, and building awareness. Daniel mentions the what, when, and how much to eat for better health and performance, a vision of lifestyle for effectiveness, and that everything is connected, sleep recovery, food, how they all impact decision-making, how what you did yesterday impacts today, what you do today impacts tomorrow. Good morning, Daniel Davey. Thanks very much for speaking to the two of us this morning. How are you, sir? I'm well. Thank you very much. A little bit grey. Uh, I'm down home in, in, in Chaffpool and Sligo. I came down to see, to see uh, the family and, of course, the sheep, but I'm in good form. Tell us about the sheep. How many have you got? And are you still looking after them well? Um, it's probably debatable. It's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a running joke. Um, I, I have a good bit of support at home to to check in on them and all that. But uh, I have uh, I have about forty five sheep, and um, oh. my uh, latest exciting project is wow, geez, we're straight into it. This is straight into the meat and bones of it. Um, I'm thinking about putting up a sheep shed at home in Sligo. And uh, one of the ideas that it's actually my mother that came up with the idea would be that I would have some type of space, maybe a studio space as part of the kind of the external or outer building that uh, I could do things like this, where I could do conversations, maybe virtual meetings and things like that. And people could see how the sheep are over there behind my uh, behind my shoulder. So real kind of farm to fork rage and we didn't do video now (laughs) (laughs) not not just yet but down the line down the line Daniel, we spoke to a fellow called Stephen Kotler there recently and he said we can learn a lot from animals 
and plants, especially in relation to things like EQ and, and relationships. So the question is, what have you learned from your sheep? Uh, I have learned, that's a, that is honestly, what a question. Uh, I have learned an awful lot. I, like I feel so strongly about uh, what I've learned from farming. Uh, I want, uh, I have a little girl, Penny. Um, one of the reasons I'm spending as much time as I am at home and not just letting it go, because it's certainly not financial or commercial, is that it gives you a really good sense of nature and it gives you a sense of what you are willing to invest in your energy and your time. You will see that firsthand with, with, with sheep. So, you know, things change pretty quickly, but even the nourishment, the management of, of, the, of the farm and the overall health of the flock is so dependent on your energy and giving them space and making sure they have adequate water and making sure they have adequate minerals. And I suppose that's going straight to the, to the science of it. But I think another part is, you know, that the exposure to you as a person and the stress that the animal, the management of stress for the animal is so directly correlated to their health. So that, that's, all, that's all really firsthand and um, very visible for me. So growing up on a farm, even that experience that you mentioned there, but growing up on a farm when you're younger, obviously had a big impact on your career choice. Yeah, so I mean, I wasn't particularly academic uh, or maybe academic at all. I, doing things like home economics um, and being, oh, there was only two in, in the class and doing ag science sort of saved me in my leave and sort of give me something that was food and there was agriculture and I was interested in that. I, I was never going to have enough points to do something like veterinary, but it was veterinary and then I was interested in the human body. But farming was farming was absolutely huge. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm steeped in agriculture on both sides of my family. Um, one side, Both of them, in fact, um, were dairy farmers and it was about getting up early in the morning to bring in the cows. I, I hated early mornings, but I could get up to bring in the cows. And I mean, it's all about a sense of, it's all about a sense of connection and value. And, you know, what did you enjoy spending your time at? And um, I, like, it's, it's hard to properly put into words the, the feeling of, you know, walking through fields and being around animals and how much that centers you so yeah that had a big impact even today it's had a big impact on my career choice when we talk to people on on the show we often talk about behavior habits what has made that person successful in terms of what they're doing and hearing from that upbringing and and i'm sure how it has very much impacted what you're currently doing are there pieces from from the farm that you really are mindful and try to keep with you when you could be involved with one of the teams that you are or when you're when you're doing a presentation or when you're working with an individual i suppose what goes through my head when you ask that question is first of all uh, you know i'm i feel very very privileged to have had the exposure to the people in my life but also the the connection to to farming and the connection to the land and it it's I suppose, firstly, the people, it was about that awareness that they, they had. Uh, my granddad uh, was one of the most hardworking people that you'll ever come across. Um, he 
you know, he 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 fought in in World War Two. He came back from from the states and, and bought a farm, uh, not far from where I am now at this moment, this morning in Sligo, and he had just an extraordinary work ethic. You know, he was netted, he was up in the morning at, at five o'clock. He had his porridge, and it was out, and it was getting things done. There's a famous uh, story um, that uh, my my mother and my uncles would often tell about my my granddad's attitude when other people and let's say contractors would come in on 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 the farm and that have work to do and to come to lunchtime and uh he'd say we shouldn't even stop at all he said there's eight men here having their lunch now for an hour he said that's eight hours of work <laughs> that this that we're missing out on that this that, that should be done and he had this constant drive you know that it was all about efficiency. So that's that's the first thing. And then again, from the experience of, of, of being on the land, I keep getting pulled back to, to the nature element and the importance of really good an, animal husbandry and the care for the flock or the care for for the animal, but also the care for the actual soil, the care for the grass and how that impacts the food chain and impacts the food produce that that we get so there's a lot of components to it yeah it's funny just a comment don't they often say the way you do small things is really how you do everything so the fact that you're having to do so many things in the 5 a.m club it's all about the big picture right yeah it is it is and I'm not particularly a particularly good morning person but I think it's about uh, it's about what you're exposed to my granddad, Mike, or, or my uncles, they didn't really need to be up that early, but that was the most optimum way to manage the farm. And that was the most efficient way to do it. And that was a very, very consistent routine and habit and structure that I was exposed to. And I think I'm a believer that you, know, you, you get these different exposures uh, when you're quite young. And then you go through your teenage years and like me, you go absolutely book ape, bananas. And then you sort of come back to your roots again as you get a little bit older. And I definitely would have get a sense that that's what would have happened to me. Building on the theme of animals and care, have you ever brought maybe athletes or a group to them scenarios, them environments to give them that experience of being with animals, looking after them? Or is it something you'd look to do in the future maybe? It's actually definitely something I've thought about and something that I would like to do uh, in the future. And I think that um, at this moment in time in the world that we live in, people walk into shops, particularly people in the, in the city, they walk into shops and that's where they believe that they get their food from. They don't make that connection to how farms produce that food. It's interesting how popular Clarkson's farm is and how uh, how much focus that he's been able, and he's a huge personality, but he's been able to bring that, some of those messages from, from that experience. But like, we're talking about a, a thousand acre farm. I live here on a, on a 40 acre farm. Most farms, the average sizes of them are maybe 50 to a hundred acres. Very, very different world. But to answer your question, I think there's an awful lot of value in that. And um, it's probably something I was very unsure about sharing and took a long time before I'd even have the confidence to say, you know, this is important to me and this is something I really value. Uh, and it's amazing now how much interest 
athletes have and nobody i would i just thought i would have been laughed at but you know you just realize that people no matter what you're interested in what you do if you if you really are committed to it or i don't i, I think passionate is overused but if people recognize that feeling in you or that commitment in you they respect it and certainly athletes do so it's taken 10 minutes to get to what was my original first question but that was that was way more interesting daniel we sometimes talk about you know reducing cognitive load not having to overthink things right and get it kind of systemized and considering your background kiran and i always first thing we nearly talk about when we catch up is what you have for breakfast this morning what you have for breakfast this morning do you have the same breakfast every day or is variety the spice of life what does it look like when you're having breakfast there today breakfast is is probably one of the most controversial areas within nutrition at the moment and it depends who I'm speaking to about their breakfast and what their day looks like. And I think that's ultimately, if you, if you want to really kind of narrow down some of the positions on, on nutrition that I have, it, it is very much dependent on that. What does your day ahead look like? Are you sitting at your laptop all day uh, or your computer, or are you out walking the fields and what is the demands on your body? What are the demands demands on your mind? So no breakfast as of yet this morning. But as the morning goes on and I do get a chance to go out, I will have that breakfast and it varies. It varies all the time. It always has some of the main components that I feel I need, some healthy fats, a source of protein, maybe a slow digesting carbohydrate, and that could be boiled eggs and brown bread. It could be porridge or it could be a homemade muesli but it does, it varies, and I really enjoy keeping it varied. So we have homemade muesli coming to us, Kieran. From that's, look, that's looking good. forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> put it in the mail now this morning. <laughs> Speaking of the controversy around breakfast, I'm actually doing intermittent fasting at the moment. Mad thing. 12 to 8, I eat during the day, so it's the, mm-hmm. the 16 8 fast. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there's this controversy has arisen around breakfast? Well, You've already mentioned behavior and behavior will ultimately determine your ability to, you know, how, how, how sustainable is what you're trying to achieve and what is the impact in the long term? What is the impact on you? How does intermittent fasting, how does having a breakfast impact you? Th- those are really important things. And uh, I've done a, a video with um, a colleague, um, Brendan Egan, who is in a far better position to talk about the, the science of intermittent fasting than I am. I come from, a, is this a sustainable practice over a number of years? And is this something that you're going to be doing in 10 years versus what is the short term effects and why are you doing it? So I would personally, if you asked me, I can see the advantages of it. If you have a very strong relationship with food, if there's a flexibility in your in your skills as well to meet your nutritional needs on the go or in whatever your environment is, and it, it doesn't create any type of a, a stress response or you feel that you are capable of, of sustaining that practice, that's, I suppose, talking around it a little bit. There are advantages and disadvantages. I think the controversy comes from people approaching intermittent fasting without having a really positive relationship with food and without having the skills and knowledge to implement the type of practices that are needed within that window. Just speaking, you know, selfishly, but the two of us here can relate, Kieran and I, we're a mixture between clinical, but very much desk bound at the moment. And a lot of the people we work with in the kind of corporate world, you know, eight, eight to five. 
and then they fit their hour window in and spin or they do mobility halfway through the day or, or get out for a walk. What would be the big rocks that you'd be looking at to help them get a better understanding, better awareness, and maybe the things they really should focus on in the nutrition, in the hydration sort of space? Well, when you talk about big rocks, you obviously zone out to your bird's eye view of what your life looks like and where you feel you're, you know, you're operating really well. And that's in the, in the space of obviously sleep and movement and nourishment and mental skills and your well-being. And you're, you're looking at all components and you're trying to create a, a vision for your lifestyle that helps you operate as a, as a, as effectively under each one of those. So everything is connected. Everything is connected. And, um, you know, if, if you don't sleep well, uh, if you have too many glasses of wine on a on a Thursday night before on a Friday and that affects your sleep, <laughs> how does that affect your decision making the next day? And how, you know, what is your hydration levels? What what did you do the day before that affects today? And it's about really having that awareness, I suppose, first of all, about how everything is so connected. And that's that's something I really try and emphasize and I'm working with anybody. Uh, and then there's the emotional state, too. You know, are you are you actually reflecting on your emotional state and um, how your emotional state uh, affects your decision making. But in very, very, very simple terms, very simple terms, it is about meeting your need for fluid and nutrients on, on any given day and having good variety in those. The structure, the structure depends on the person. Some people like um, to have a good structure and to have that good consistency in 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 their meals i i think what's important is that if it is intermittent fasting you're doing or it is you've created a pattern that you can be consistent with so if you get up in the morning at 7 a.m sometime in the next couple of hours you need to have a protein source you need to have a, a food source that will keep you going if you don't you don't you know that's that's about being aware of what is is effective for you and then hydrating first thing in the morning is a, is certainly a, a good thing for you to do for as a habit but you're obviously going to be mildly or severely dehydrate, dehydrated depending on your sleeping environment over the course of the night so it's then moving through the day have you good structure um eating every 3 to 4 hours a protein source with most meals are you are you focused on getting a good level of variety and different types of fruits and vegetables in? Are you limiting processed foods? And are you, and this is a key thing, and probably I've already mentioned behavior 20 times, are you preparing your own meals? Uh, I had a very interesting uh, conversation with an athlete yesterday. We were doing some body composition assessment and he had made absolutely staggering changes. Some of the best changes I'd seen in, in quite some time. I asked him, you know, what, what was the big thing for you that you found was effective? And he said, preparing my own meals and not eating out, even though I thought what I was eating out was good. It was just resulting in, in excess calories. So it's that, that control that you have on, over your own food. Keeping at the high end, the elite athletes, when, I mean, I've played a bit of football, you've played football, Dave's played basketball. We all would have had a nutrition talk at some stage where we would have, you know, been given the breakdown of carbs, proteins, fats. And it doesn't always stick for players, but you see in the elite end and the success you've had with Leinster, with Dublin, even when you're back with London, what is about the elite players or the athletes that make the change or even the people you work with that make the change? What is it about them 
that it has an impact on and it doesn't it falls away for the rest of us i've mulled over that question for probably 10 years now and it's you know it's the kind of thing that i've 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 said to so many athletes i wish i could bottle this you know i wish i wish i could i could share it and they always they always kind of joke and laugh and and they say it's like this is the most frustrating part it's like it's not complicated it's it's just it's doing the simple things and i think there's it's it's from you know from my perspective looking on it's very easy for them to to say something like that when they have a team of people around them they're a part of a team they have that purpose they have that drive they're very much rewarded um for that consistency and buying into this information and i've been thinking an awful lot about even over the last couple of weeks um as i set up some of my new programs and review some of my own services it's like how can i build in a sense of ownership into my conversations and my resources and support because ultimately i think that's a big part of it it's like do people feel a part of something? Do they feel connected to their goal? Do they have good clarity on why they're doing it? And I think that a lot of that falls into place for athletes. And of course, they have all of the supports around them and they've got access to nutritionists, but it is much more than that. You know, I think it's very difficult to measure the impact and the power of meeting somebody in the corridor every single week and being asked, how is that going for you? Uh, and it's hard to, you know, it's very hard to do that for everyone. would love to dig into the preparation, the food prep. It's a conversation I often have with my wife and she gives out to me a lot that uh, I don't take enough ownership of that. But it causes a bit of stress, you know, we, we've, we've all, we all can relate to that. What would be your suggestions for, for couples, for singles or whoever trying to get a bit more ownership and not then eating out and having the easy out with a lunch? When out in a restaurant, how can we take the preparation to heart and really build that as a system? Well, I, I hope you don't mind um, me using this uh, point again around around athletes, but it's it's just it's so recent. Um, in some of my conversations, I think it's worth sharing. And there's another athlete that you know the <laughs> the the sky is the limit for this particular athlete and in, in what they can achieve and over the last number of years they've been performing quite well but there's been inconsistencies and there's been periods of injury there's been periods of you know significant decreases in in, in things like lean mass and body composition has slipped and we you know we had a really upfront conversation and only this week and the questions were around what can we do or what do you think you can do to build in more consistency and the response was, I just need to be more consistent. I just need to do it. And I said, I said, I understand you need to do it. Let's talk through actions. Let's talk through what that looks like for you. What are the things that when you are in a good place and you have, you feel like you're training well, you're performing well, uh, your strength scores are where they need to be, all aspects across the board, you feel you're in a good place. It was things like, Actually, it's when I, on a Sunday, go to some of the stores, create a shopping list and get my shopping done so that my fridge is full for when I start training on a Monday. And it's actually just scribbling down what are the three main meals that I need to be prepared for this week. So 
if I do those things, I just seem to have a much better week. But if I don't, and I come home on a Monday, I don't have I don't have the options in place. So very often, what people their first response is, I just need to be more accountable. I just need to prep more. That that's not thinking at it or thinking about it with the depth that's required for change. You need to think about what is it exactly within my week that I need to be prepared for. And how does it feel when I'm really well prepared versus I'm not well prepared? And then it's about taking a very simple action. Just let's commit to that. And and one of the coll- the people that I was, uh, was in the room said, you know, if you do that consistently, that will mean that over the next, let's say the next training, the next 30 weeks, you'll have done that consistently 30 times. How would that feel versus doing it 15 times? And it just being that you have the food available to make those meals. So th- it's just breaking it down and really recognizing what would be beneficial. Just listening to your conversations with athletes and what you do in your day to day. And it's something me and David talk about. So we've had conversations on the show that being physiotherapists, being nutritionists, being in that space, it's more about working with people. It's more about building relationships. I know a mutual friend, David Dunn, mentioned this before. You have a huge influence on their day-to-day activities, their daily outlook, their mindset, but also their behaviors, as we've mentioned. Why do you think it's so important and how do you build relationships so well with athletes at the highest level? Well, I think it's, being very honest, um, it's easier to build uh, relationships with some athletes than it is others. And I would be lying if I said I had amazing relationships with everybody. I mean, that's that's just not realistic. But I do if there's somebody I'm that is with me that is that that I'm responsible for, I am absolutely committed in whatever way that I possibly can to help them. And sometimes the absence of contact and giving that person space is how I try to help people. And that can sometimes be the most difficult part of my job. Like the best part of my day is like when yesterday morning, um, you know, I got a message really early. Can I meet you at eight o'clock? And like, I'm jumping around the place going, I, like, I, I, I can't wait to get started today. But let's be realistic that that doesn't happen all the time. So what it's about is really really getting a sense in whatever way you can to that person that that you really care about them and that you care about them achieving their goals and they were going to go through so many different things um in their in their days their weeks and their season uh there there'll be periods of injury there'll be periods of of illness not being selected ups and downs and it is about them feeling throughout all of those different phases and events that 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 you care about what's happening. It's very small things. It's it's a message here and there to tell them, you know, that if if you can help in any way that that you're there when they do well, dropping them a message, staying connected as best you possibly can has been for me the most effective way of getting buy into their lifestyle practices. You wrote a book, Daniel, a couple of years ago, Eat Up, Praise Your Game. We actually have it in front of us, 100 Easy Nutritious Recipes to Help You Perform Better on Exercise Days and Rest Days. Tangible, actionable, valuable, resonates with a lot of different people. What did you learn from that process and what would you hope people really get from, from the book? 
Well, oh my. There was a, a sea of emotions. Go back to the sheep. Go back to yeah. the sheep. <laughs> sea of emotions. Uh, like, there was enormous vulnerability in putting something like that out there. And uh, you're always wondering how you're going to be judged when you put ideas down. And uh, it was an incredible learning experience. And I think the number one thing that I learned is that doing things very simply takes incredible thought and effort. And, you know, it might seem like this is very basic or, you know, simple information, but knowing what to share with the world and what is effective and helpful, that takes an awful lot of, of, of thinking and it takes an awful lot of back and forth. So, um, I, I think the number one message is that preparing meals doesn't need to be a major challenge and you can do it in a way that's relatively simple and it can be very enjoyable if you if you have the right type of mindset towards it you know you can achieve enormous success by doing simple things just with that level of 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 consistency and not to be afraid of it one question left on my end it's that the irish government maybe they've they've fallen asleep at the wheel and they've come to you and said daniel we have a big rollout tomorrow, national campaign. We're after forgetting about it. And we need one message to deliver to the Irish community, Irish population around nutrition, around being healthier. What do you think you'd focus on? Well, I think, first of all, you need we need to think about the vehicle for that message and how it would make the most impact. And uh, for me, I... I do feel really strongly about around around about children and the messages that children would get, and I think that's the future. And I think it would be about really helping teachers to understand the power of their influence and the power of creating an environment of of nourishment and of of ownership of food. And I think that's what the the key focus would be for me. It's like if the government were to put resources and supports in place that there'd be a major rollout of support at, at in, in national schools or primary schools you're creating that environment that i'm talking about that's positive around food i've, I've got more than anything I'm, I'm i'm concerned about people's relationship with food now i'm seeing a lot of pain and anxiety and guilt associated with food and i think if we change the narrative to how positive food can be for your life and uh, your day-to-day experience. I think that that's a really important place to start. Daniel, projecting forward, we're interested in innovation and things like that, where we are. Where is nutrition going 10 years later, 10 years, 12 years from now, we meet you down the street. We've just had homemade eggs, Benedict, healthier version. <laughs> um, what's, what's the next big thing you think is going to happen in this space? What I think is going to happen and what I think is important are probably, they're probably two very different things. You know, uh, the, the world of innovation is going into overdrive into, into things like genetic profiling. And, you know, we be, we begin to understand a lot more about things that we don't know enough about at the moment, like our microbiome and, 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 I think that it's about uh, the customization of foods to a, a, a much greater level. But what I, I think the space needs to look at is, or what we need to look at is 
how is uh, food being viewed in the world? And I suppose going back right to where we started in the conversation, food is a is a is an expensive and valuable commodity, and we have put extraordinary pressure on reducing the cost of food and. I think there needs to be a much greater awareness that if we want good food to continue to be produced, we're unfortunately going to have to accept that it's paying for it um, and it's supporting it and it's supporting local and all of those things that for some reason, I, I, I feel like that message just still isn't getting through. So the answer to your question, innovation, it's going to be about that personalized uh, approach you know this these some of it is absolute daftness because there's no evidence before it yet but we are going to learn more about things like nutrition for different types of illnesses and potentially nourishment or nutrients that that, that can help alleviate digestive problems and uh, and things like that brilliant very important message and thanks for all the messages we've spoken about connection value behaviors innovation and we've got one more for you uh, it's a question we ask everybody that comes on the show and you've worked in driven environments like it. What does high performance mean to you, Daniel? High performance for me means that people are truly connected on a, on a, on a level that allows them to explore scary spaces together for the one purpose and doing it in a way that can be and what i mean by scary it means that they're willing to be open with their teammate or open with their with their colleague in a way that they they wouldn't in another environment but they know that that means that it's for the greater good of the group i know thanks very much for your time today we really really enjoyed it got a lot from it and wishing you the very best Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. It was a, it was a very solid chat for, uh, from, from, from my little sheep farm in the rest of Ireland. <laughs> yes, it was. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.